We're going to start in Ukraine and an exclusive BBC interview with the former US military chief General David Petraeus. He's in Kyiv uh, right now and he's met President Zelensky. Now, he says uh, the Ukrainian upcoming counteroffensive could be, quote, very impressive. And he also says Russia's operations over the winter largely failed. Now, if you remember, US General Petraeus commanded forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's where he rose to prominence. He's been speaking uh, to our diplomatic correspondent, uh, James Landile. And just before we play a bit of that interview, he talks about the spring offensive and how impressive it could be, but also listen towards the end for his description of the Russian forces. Let's take a listen. I believe that we'll see for the first time in this war on either side the achievement of true combined arms effects. In other words, the results of tanks protected by infantry against anti-tank guided missiles, uh, artillery and mortars keeping the enemy's heads down, engineers reducing the obstacles, breaching uh, the, these fortifications that the Russians have established, air defense keeping the Russians off the Ukrainians, uh, electronic warfare jamming the Russians' already inadequate command and control facilities, uh, and all orchestrated uh, by very, very good Ukrainian command and control uh, and also using drones out over the Russians to attack them in depth with the precision munitions that the U.S. and U.K. and others have provided. And this, I think, is going to break the front lines. Where they do this attack, I won't speculate on that, although the Ukrainians have publicly stated that their objective, of course, is to, to sever that ground line of communications that enables the Russians to go along the southeast coast into Crimea. Uh, and I think this is going to be impressive. We achieved combined arms effects, say, during the fight to Baghdad when I was a two-star general, uh, and it's terrifying for the enemy. And the difference this time over, say, what happened in Kharkiv last fall, where the Ukrainians did carry out a very successful attack, is that when the lead elements culminate after 72, 96 hours, it's as far as you can physically go, there are follow-on forces that will capitalize, that will exploit and maintain the momentum and continue this. And then I think you get the battlefield, you make it dynamic. Then the Russians have to react. They have to move to try to reestablish a defensive line somewhere in the rear of where they are and where they were. And noting that on the Russian side, this is a force that has been battered, that many of these units have been in constant combat for well over a year. They're not pulling units offline and reconstituting them. In other words, replacing the losses, the people, the equipment, and retraining them. They're just adding people to the front lines. That's not the way you produce a cohesive, coherent, well-disciplined organization. And I think, therefore, that's why they're going to crack, crumble, and perhaps actually collapse. And then if you can get the Russian defenses really moving, then I think there are opportunities even more broadly. So we're going to get a bit of analysis on that now. The BBC's World Affairs editor, John Simpson, is standing by. Hi, John. So what did you make of that uh, confidence in the uh, upcoming spring offensive? Well, General Petraeus certainly knows what he's uh, talking about. I mean, he's the man that saved uh, the American presence, such as it was in Iraq, and got them out of there uh, with a certain uh, uh, amount of success. Um, of course, it is perfectly possible that the Russian army will simply fold up. The, the army itself has not been fighting at all well, 
the successes, such as they've been, have been scored really by Yevgeny Prigozhin's um, Wagner group, completely different with far better discipline and so on. The uh, command uh, uh, systems that the Russian army itself uh, has are pretty feeble and uh, they, it, there's just that kind of tradition of always just passing up every different difficult decision to the level above you um, and not taking any proper decisions. Uh, and indeed, um, Ukraine has a very good record on this kind of thing. You recall uh, last autumn how they were succeeded. They, they telegraphed a, 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 an attack in advance on one particular area and lo and behold, when the time came, they fought a complete a different area and and won back territory that they'd lost before all of that is true it's just that you know this is warfare things go wrong in warfare from day one and uh, although General Petraeus sounds extremely confident and he's I'm sure being briefed uh, thoroughly by all the, the top commanders um, you know things can go wrong Indeed, John, stay right there. I want to get your analysis to the next bit of this interview. James Landale asked about the timing of all this. We've been talking about this Ukrainian counteroffensive for quite a while. So why now? Let's take a listen. Oh, it's very clear. The ground is not sufficiently dry. You've got to be able to go off-road without having the tanks that are, in some cases, as much as 60 tons, 70 tons, if you get the M1s out there. They're not yet, I don't think, in the mix. Um, so you have to have much firmer ground. And then second, President Zelensky has publicly stated that there's still some additional armored systems that he wants to get into this force uh, before they actually pull the trigger. My understanding is that they know what they're going to do. Um, and it, when you're at that point, it's just the matter of deciding what is D-Day H-Hour, because that's the determination that then synchronizes everything that follows. And keep in mind that from the Ukrainian perspective, this has to become a bit of a symphony because all of these different capabilities that I've described have to be orchestrated. They all have to do their part at the right time and quite precisely. So they're just in front of the attacking forces, whether it's our artillery and, and mortars. Uh, the engineers are right up with the tanks so that when they encounter an obstacle, they can very quickly breach it defuse and so forth. And again, without getting into further detail, that's how you need to think about this. Let's go back uh, to John Simpson. So a little explanation there about the timing of all this. Yes, I think he was a little bit um, uh, kind of uh, careful in, in what he said. Uh, actually, I think the real reason for the delays uh, uh, have be, has been that uh, the new equipment which uh, the Ukrainians have been given by NATO has been quite slow in coming forward. It's been taken time to train the pilots, the tank crews, the uh, people who um, are, are in charge of firing the longer-range missiles, all these kind of things. It's taken longer than they are expecting. Um, I saw... Um, President Zelensky three months ago now in February and I was asking him naturally about what we were then calling the spring offensive. I suppose we'll have to call it the summer offensive now. Um, and I mean, he wouldn't, didn't give me any details. I wouldn't have expected that. But he was um, quite 
careful to say it's going to take longer than we thought. The, the Western powers have not been fast in supplying tanks or, or, or guns. Uh, it's taken them some time to get round to that, and the training takes a bit of time too. Um, nevertheless, uh, obviously, you don't want to hurry these things at all, and that's what Zelensky said to me uh, in February. The most important thing is not to get it done by a specific date, but to make sure that everybody who's involved in the big attack knows what they're doing and knows thoroughly the equipment they're using. Interesting. And John, you, you reminded me there as you were talking, I spoke to a Ukrainian uh, official in the last couple of weeks talking about the, the delays and reasons for the delays. And I asked specifically about jets and safety in the air and skies. And they were quite explicit saying, we are not going to wait for the jets coalition to come together completely. This wasn't, uh, they, in their assessment, it would just take too long. Uh, to wait for full cover in the air and that they would have they would be moving forward before that point that seems to suggest that full control of the skies is still quite a way off yes i think so i mean ukraine's been very effective actually in controlling uh, its skies in preventing uh, the russians from doing what they did in chechnya uh, what 15 years ago um, what they've been doing in uh, syria pretty much ever since which is bombarding uh, civilian centers just smashing them from the air very effective and a very very destructive and cynical indeed way of uh, fighting a war they haven't been able to do that uh, with, with Ukraine simply because uh, Ukraine has been better uh, in in using its ground to air defenses um, this is really, uh, I think you put your finger on it, actually. This is the one question mark that hangs over David Petraeus's otherwise very uh, positive and optimistic view of Ukraine's chances. They are going, in, in a sense, too early. They're going before they've established full air superiority. And you know, probably it will be okay for, 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 for Ukraine and it will score the kind of successes that it wants to. But there is just that one solitary question mark that hangs over it all. John, great to get your analysis. Thanks so much for that.